there's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Hello and welcome back to the Stadio Podcast. I'm Musa Konga. I'm Ryan Hun. Ryan, how are you doing? Uh, I'm ready to get uh, my booking so I don't have to play on Christmas. <laughs> how are you doing? Listen, I'll be podcasting until they drag me away from the mic. <laughs> uh, we hope everyone else is staying safe, staying well, wherever you are. This is our last pod before Christmas. It is. We're going to be broadcasting on Christmas Day though. We've yeah. recorded our Christmas Day episode and our stadios 2023 episode so on the 25th just a reminder it will be the football things to be grateful for in 2023 we had some amazing submissions so thanks to everyone who sent them in Uh, there were a few that were a bit late or there were a few that we couldn't get to so apologies but we tried to read out as many as we could but yeah thanks to everyone who who sent them in and we hope you enjoy that episode and then on the 28th will be the stadios today we're going to talk about the ECJ ruling on the European Super League case. And then we'll just talk about some mid- midweek football. Um, I reckon we'll get into it after this. Let's do it. All right, man. As the, uh, the, resident. the lawyer among us. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, you wouldn't believe it. Anyway. God, we're in so much trouble. <laughs> oh, we're in so much trouble. Okay, so, <laughs> so here's what happened. Um, just this morning, you'll be hearing this today, just this morning. The European Court of Justice is the EU's um, top court, and they found that UEFA, in blocking the breakaway European Super League, actually acted in abuse of its dominant position. So for it to do that, for it to sanction clubs for breaking away or trying to break away with the European Super League was illegal. That's the overall finding. Mm. So basically, they're saying that FIFA and UEFA can't set conditions on organizations that want to set up rival tournaments. They, 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 they can't set conditions. So this is the, this is the sort of quote, Euronews did a great report on it. Any such power exercised by FIFA and UEFA, UEFA as gatekeepers over rival operators or operators of rival tournaments must be subject to transparent, objective, non-discriminatory and proportionate, proportionate criteria to stop any ideas or concepts of conflicts of interest on part of the sports governing bodies. So what that means in essence, it sounds like a big, it is, look, it is a big deal, but Mm. also it's not necessarily because I think, I don't know if anybody that's, I don't think anybody looked at the European Super League when those clubs tried to break away and do it and thought, oh, that's illegal. I think everyone in football kind of knew, or most people in football were like, yeah, like UEFA and FIFA do enjoy a monopoly. And this has been the problem for years. I don't think anyone thought it was illegal. I think people just thought the idea of a bunch of clubs literally snatching their ball and running away with it after all these grassroots clubs have built the game and all these fans have built the game. It felt like um, 
it felt like a moral robbery, but not an illegal robbery, if that makes sense. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Just because just because something isn't illegal doesn't mean you should do it. Absolutely. Yeah, there's a lot and there's a load of those things. It's a load of those. Should we read the UEFA statement? Yeah, definitely. UEFA takes note of the judgment delivered today by the ECJ in the European Super League case. This ruling does not signify an endorsement or validation of the so-called Super League. It rather underscores a pre-existing shortfall within UEFA's pre-authorization framework, a technical aspect that has already been acknowledged and addressed in June 2022. UEFA is confident in the robustness of its new rules, and specifically that they comply with all relevant European laws and regulations. UEFA remains resolute in its commitment to uphold the European football pyramid, ensuring that it continues to serve the broader interests of society. We will continue to shape the European sports model collectively with national associations, leagues, clubs, fans, players, coaches, EU institutions, governments and partners alike. We trust that the solidarity-based European football pyramid that the fans and all stakeholders have declared as their irreplaceable model will be safeguarded against the threat of breakaways by European and national laws. Uh, we're recording this ahead of a press conference that they've got planned for this afternoon, which I imagine... A lot of complacency in that fun. statement. Yeah, there is. It's a little bit kind of like... But I th- yeah, it's a bit, I mean, I, this just reminds me a little bit of what we were talking about at the time where um, our governing bodies in football like FIFA and UEFA and et cetera, et cetera, the right model to govern a sport like football. Yes. Do those organizations need modifying? Yes. Do those organizations, are those organizations operating at full efficiency and are they um, I don't want to say fit for purpose because that feels like a hashtag proper football man thing to say but mm. are they probably not right. well definitely not and we've seen with stuff like handling of certain competitions awarding of competitions um, I mean this is let's just stick to UEFA for now because we don't even right. need to get we don't even need to get started on FIFA but yeah. there is so much wrapped up in this that's just like yeah actually this is what happens when you think a bubble can't burst. Right. Um, and I think that, like you said earlier, I don't think a lot changes really, apart from you you get to whip up a little bit of momentum for the people who are still trying to push the Super League. Because it wasn't the ECJ and it wasn't FIFA and it wasn't UEFA that stopped those clubs from pursuing it. It was actually fan protest. They absolutely kicked off. Yeah. yeah. No, in the in England specifically, I don't think we've seen a collective fan protest like that. It was unbelievable. Ever, it was really incre- incredible. Because, and also because fans in England aren't really known for having like a being listened to, but also having that power. Like for example, we talk about this in the Bundesliga all the time about how there's a lot of collective protesting among yeah. fan groups. You know, like in just fans in the, shutting down AGMs. Exactly. <laughs> just in the Dortmund <laughs> buying game, you know, Dortmund <laughs> were losing and they both unveil a banner at the same time going after the same thing. So I think that sense of, that collective sense of actually having a voice Empowerment, in yes. the Super League was really quite powerful. And I think that spooked a lot of clubs because they were like, oh shit, actually... We, did, we, we didn't know that this bear would ever wake up and we no. completely poked the collective bear and it is like, it's Can I be honest? our heads the only, off. All, the only thing I really want to know, the only interesting thing about the European Super League for me as a project, the only interesting thing, I want to know the rooms that has drawn up. And I don't mean in some kind of conspiratorial way. I'm like, this sounds like the kind of thing you drop in a ski lodge or in someone's mansion. Like, mm. I want to know just how detached from reality. I mean, it sounds like they drew it up on a space station. 
mm. because there's no one who's been within two miles of a football ground who thought that was going to fly. It is an incredible example of a, a plan <laughs> that absolutely imploded upon first contact with reality, mm. isn't it? Mm. And you're completely right. I mean, you said it earlier, you were saying it today, we were talking in preparation for the show, like it was fan outrage that killed the European Super League. Yeah. Because everyone knows, everyone yeah. knows there's a lot wrong with UEFA and FIFA. Everyone knows that. Yeah. But to come in and propose something so nakedly self-interested, to pro- propose something which made, F- made UEFA look benevolent. Mm. I mean, it takes, it, takes some, it, it takes some doing to promote a breakaway league that makes UEFA look like it's operating absolutely and entirely for the good of the game. But the European Super League was so disgusting as a concept in the form they drew it up that people had such a visceral reaction. Mm. It was like watching football fans actually vomiting, like spiritually vomiting, I've got to say. And they've drawn and up that's, these... That's their uh, problem. Yeah, and they're, they're drawing up these new proposals for it. This company, A22, is now the, the, yeah. the, the company that is driving the reformed Super League plans if and when they happen. Um, I do find it highly amusing, though, that their, their chief executive, Bernd Reichardt, mm. said, uh, we've won the right to compete. UEFA's monopoly is over. Football is free. Now the clubs will not suffer threats and punishments. They are free to decide their own future. Um, you know what that sounds like? It sounds like when Loki is talking about subjugating people on earth and going, what people really want is freedom from freedom. Because, you know, when, when the European Super League, like everyone, everyone knows that it was, it was a closed shop, Ryan. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, I think that the, the drawn up, the new plans, if they were ever going to go ahead with it, are just not going to be like that. But it's just, it, to me, it just sounds like, you know, one of those like Champions Cup tournaments that happens yeah. in the summer. Yeah, of course. Yeah, it yeah. just sounds like one of those. And I, I don't think, um, you know, there were rumours that I think the new football governance bill in the, U, in the UK will, um, will actually stop Premier League clubs from being able to join something like that. I think if it interferes with, I assume if it interferes with domestic competition, because I'm not mm. sure if they can, with I don't this think ruling. Can, I, don't, I don't think you can actually stop people playing. You can't stop people actually no, playing in those no. tournaments. But if they leave, well, if they, if they leave, if those clubs leave and do it, here's the problem that the European Super League is always going to have. Players love competing for the Champions League. Yeah, They love it. They love yeah. it. It's like the place to be. It's the actual... One of the reasons PSG has struggled not... To, if you think about PSG, right, and the players they've got there, the money PSG have got, think of all the great players that haven't gone to PSG. Mm. If you actually think about that, I know they got Messi, I know they got Neymar, I know they got uh, Mbappe, right? But there's a hell of a lot of players that said no to PSG mm. because they didn't like the idea. They're like, they, people like competing for leagues and Champions Leagues. They want to win it for a club where they feel that pedigree. And actually, weird enough, PSG is more attractive now because of the way it's more organically building Ethan Mbappe, great story, like, you know, the brother now playing with Kylian. PSG's more attractive now, weird enough, I think, than it was before because it mm. feels more organic and it feels like a sort of an actual, you know, a project from the grassroots or something, so to speak. So the, the biggest problem the European Super League's always going to have, this guy, you know, A22 can talk, oh, terrible name, by the way, they can talk all they like about... Listen, if I was A24, I'd be having a word. Dude, well, there it is. You know there mean? it is. They can talk all they like about free to decide your future but you've got to get people excited well I think this is the thing so what are we doing this for are we doing this to free football from itself no because it's only it's purely and this is the I just I'd rather it's like the live golf stuff right 
the whole line about stuff like that is growing the game. I want to grow the game of golf. No, please stop insulting my intelligence. Just say they're paying me a load of money. And have you noticed is- how the players who said that have had no backlash? The players that went to the Saudi Pro League and were like, yeah, it's, it's money. That yeah. No one's actually gone for them because everyone was like, because everyone's ever seen the attendance figures at the Saudi Pro League games, but anyone that's paid attention to it. We say this a lot on Stadio where like quite often football finds uh, very valid problems and applies completely the wrong solutions to, to fix those problems. And I think that this is again something that the, the European Super League stuff and this ruling has, has brought up in that, yeah, there is a massive financial inequality amongst football in Europe. This isn't the way to solve it. Mm. Hopefully we'll have spooked them a little bit more into fixing up because they're, so, rolling, they're rolling so, out yeah. stuff like at a FIFA level, they're rolling out stuff like a 32-team Club World Cup every four years in the middle of the summer that literally no one asks for and nobody needs, right? No. You've got this other inter- intercontinental cup thing coming in. You've got the Club World Cup as it is. Like, there is already too much stuff. UEFA made all of these changes and killed the Champions League in its current format, basically because of all of the Super League stuff. <clears throat> now... We don't know what it's going to be like, right? I remember when we got asked about it, uh, taking away away goals, like, is that going to make the game better or worse? And we don't know because we're not going to, we don't know what next season's Champions League is going to be like. It might be amazing, right? But it was fucking fine. Yeah. It was fine. Like, the top clubs just wanted more and the federations, like, gave them it. Basically. And the top clubs want the top clubs wanted to guarantee their participation. Like, actually, the no, yeah. fuck off. Like, and I said this as a club, as a, as a fan of Arsenal, a club, like we're both fans of clubs who were involved in Super League, right? Like, if they want to do it, actually, just go. Yeah. Still, I don't think they will, right? I don't think that, I, this is the thing, I don't think this actually changes much now. I just think it means that in theory they could if they wanted to, but I don't think they will. Because the hassle's too, like, it's too, it's too much, man. It's too Can much. Can you imagine? Like, Here's the thing. Joining the Saudi Pro League for a huge amount of money is one thing because you're doing it out of sight, right? Fundamentally, you're earning money out of sight. If you joined a European Super League, can you imagine the players and what they get for that? They join the European Super League because you're basically Mm. operating in plain sight and everyone is just seeing you, Mm. trousering all that change. I mean, the selfishness, the the one reason I think people get away with the Saudi Pro League in terms of all of it is because basically it's offshore. And because, Maybe, yeah. but, but you know, in terms of, if they did the European Super League in Europe, I think the pressure would be unbearable actually mm. for most players. And the other thing as well, in defense of, um, the defense of those players too. So you've got like, when, you, when you've got Bernardo Silva coming out, and the Bernardo Silva is a player who I think any fan of any club can agree, that man puts in a shift. That is a hard working footballer who does not mail it in. Bernardo Silva coming out and raising huge concern about the burden on players. Mm. The physical burden. And it's funny because if you look at the players who've spoken out, right, they are some of the most hardworking footballers coming out. It's not the kind of people stereotyped as shirkers. It's the absolute... Bernardo Silva is the closest thing you'll get in football to a blue-collar type in terms of his work ethic. Mm. And when he's coming out and saying that, you're like, this is a serious problem. And we keep talking about burden on players. We keep getting all these reports about ACL injuries and all the rest of it. Something actually does have to give. Yeah, And because this thing about just... You know, you keep loading more and more. Like football is not, at this point, a load-bearing structure. It just isn't. Mm. And the European Super League, I think, if it isn't that, there'll be something else in a couple of years. There'll be another sign that football basically is overburdened. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Maybe, but I, because... I mean, because I, I'm, I'm actually a little bit more like, 
I just don't think this is going to be something that's really going to gain momentum anymore. Um, I mean, we've got the, the European Club Association statement I dropped. Don't, I, don't, I don't in the Super League world. I think that reform, actually, I think... Well, well yeah, but I don't think yeah. it'll come from A22. No, God, Jesus, come on. Do you know what I mean? No, no, no. no, um, no. The European Club the Associ- that is the symptom. Yeah, the European Club Association released a statement saying uh, the ECA, representing nearly 500 professional clubs across Europe, takes note of the judgment issued by the European Court of Justice today. To be absolutely clear, the judgment in no way whatsoever supports or endorses any form of Super League project. Since the legal case was brought two years ago, major progressive governance reforms have already been put in place across the ecosystem of football in Europe and worldwide, including new UEFA rules for competition pre-authorisation and in particular reforms under ECA's Memorandum of Understanding and Joint Venture with UEFA and FIFA signed in September and March this year. Through ECA, clubs today are already at the heart of decision-making in relation to the competitions they participate in. In short, the world of football moved on from the Super League years ago and progressive reforms will continue. That's a bit of a zinger line there, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Most importantly, football is a social contract, not a legal contract. All the recognised stakeholders of Europe and world, European and world football, spanning confederations, federations, clubs, leagues, players and fans, stand more united than ever against the attempts by a few individuals pursuing personal agendas to undermine the very foundation and basic principles of European football. ECA will continue to work with UEFA, FIFA and all recognised stakeholders of football to develop the game positively and progressively, (laughs) founding on the principles of sporting meritocracy, inclusiveness, open competition and genuine solidarity. These principles are at the heart of ECA (laughs) and at the core of the European sports model in in which all levels of the pyramid benefit and prosper. All levels of the pyramid benefit and prosper. Show me you're working and I will be sold. But again, this is just what it is. This isn't a binary um this isn't a binary thing. I think that if this fixes up the federations and associations to be better and do better and actually genuinely tackle the things that they're pretending that they're gonna tackle because of this and the things that they pretend to stand for because of this, then great. But I'll wait. I will absolutely wait. Yeah. yeah. Do we really need to say anything more on that, or are we done? I, I think we're done. Yeah. Done like the Super League, actually. Anyway, listen, moving on. Let's talk about some football. Oh, wow, yeah, some football. Um, yeah, we do a football podcast. We do, my goodness. Uh, what do you want to talk about? Bayer Leverkusen. Ooh, let's do this. Let's just be very quick. So they beat this is why, this is, Hey, This is why we do a podcast. There it is. So Bayer Leverkusen beat Bochum 4-0 in the midweek and they will go to Christmas Day top of the Bundesliga mm. fully deserved what a team not quite Herbstmeister though because they uh, not quite no not the winter no. champions no not, not yet, yet not yet but what a team Xabi Alonso doing big things over there they're losing Victor Boniface for the Africa Cup of Nations mm. doesn't really matter because they've got Patrick Schick back first start in 14 months scores a hat-trick yeah, can seamless I- transition I don't think that was a penalty though <laughs> <laughs> No, me neither, me neither. <laughs> he basically stands on Riemann. Yes. <laughs> and, and Riemann gets up and is like, look, he stood on my arm. And, there, and I, I, he went to VAR as well. And I was just like, ah, come on, man. And the, the fact that Schick is back and the fact that he's scoring goals like that means that Leverkusen have something didn't have in previous years, which is a little bit of luck. Because to yes. have to swap out Boniface and bring in Schick in form like that, it shows that maybe things have turned for them. Um, we'll see. I mean, they've certainly played the most exciting football of the Bundesliga so far. I think even Bayern fans would admit that they, they owe a huge, huge debt to Harry Kane. But the fascinating thing about what Leverkusen have done is that 
they've just provided such a a fluidity and a style and players who've gone there, not only players who've gone there, but players who sort of come through the ranks there, just look liberated. Yeah. Right now. Yeah. I think they might be uh, they're moving into maybe Coosin territory. Yes, I think that's I think uh-huh. the, it's 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 looking good because if you think Bayern have that uh, game in hand against Union, who beat Köln, by the way, this good week. Good win, that. Massive win. Good, a lot, good, a lot of talk about finishes. Yeah, yeah, a lot of talk about Stefan Baumgart leaving, but I don't, I'm not entirely sure if that would be the right move from Köln because they've got quite a lot of stuff hanging over them at the moment. Hopefully the break will, will be enough for them to turn it around. As Don Draper said in Mad Men, sometimes you've got to dance with the person that brung you. Oh. That's how it is, you know? Oh. He brought them to the dance. Listen, he brought Khan to the dance. They've got to keep dancing with him. So basically Bayern have got that uh, Union game in hand, but even if they win that, they're still going to be a point behind. So mm. there's wiggle room for Leverkusen. Yeah. And is. they will drop points throughout the rest of the season. There's no doubt about that. But they've, they're so far 16 games in and unbeaten and they are absolutely What a flying. start. Javi Alonso is incredible. Yeah. He's incredible. Like, genuinely incredible. Um, what a mind. What a mind. Harry Kane's goal, unbelievable. Oh my goodness, against Wolfsburg. What a goal. Lord. Uh, yeah, so Bayern beating Wolfsburg 2-1, but the goal from Kane. Hey, listen, man. Picks up edge of the box, what, 30 yards out? And just clips it. One of the cleanest strikers of all. The first time I realised Kane's brilliance, actually, was when I saw... It was early, like, he was just early at Spurs. You know, mm-hmm. he hadn't really become, obviously, what he is now. But just, I remember talking to friends about it. like, the man absolutely... The technique is like flawless. Yeah, he's so it was good. Like, it was like watching one of those, like, you know, those players coming through at Wimbledon hitting like perfect ground strokes. Mm. And like, you're like, why is that guy in the qualifying rounds? That guy's unbelievable. And then of course he just went to that level. But yeah, the goal last night, catch it if you can. Mm. Keeper certainly couldn't. Um, against Wolfsburg, glorious strike. Uh, Dortmund drawing with uh, Mainz at home again. Um, Not a good result. No. Uh, have Three draws and a defeat in the last four games in the league. Mines seem like they only really do that against Dortmund at the moment. They're, they're, not, they're yeah. not, not a good side. Not a good side. Uh, Leipzig drawing away at Werder Bremen. But can I just shout out my game of the week, which was Heidenheim Freiburg? Oh, listen, also like, shout out Heidenheim because... They're up to ninth. This almost is a microcosm of their season. Like Heidenheim, <laughs> you know, for those struggled to get up a couple of years ago because yeah. lack of firepower, but they've really, they've found their resources. Shout they? out Frank Schmidt, man. And also shout out Seb stafford Bloor, who went to Heidenheim and chatted to Frank Schmidt. Uh, oh. I would thoroughly recommend going and read that on The Athletic. It was really, really, really good. Had like a cup tie energy this match. Oh, it was such a good game, man. Uh, Hüller giving Freiburg the lead uh, very, very early on. And then uh, Dinchy equalising just after half time but only like 10, 10 15 minutes later Hurler mm. scored a penalty for Freiburg and then one of our faves Tim Kleindienst getting an equaliser six minutes from time and then oh, just the cruelest Wednesday night in December own goal by M- Matty Ginter uh, Cross comes over and uh, it, I'm not sure if he gets a slight touch of Atabolu but it's one of those, like, it bobbles in the six-yard box on a yep. pitch that isn't amazingly flat anyway, and it hits Ginter's left foot, then his right foot, and goes in, in stoppage time at the end of the game to give Heidenheim the win. Um, and that actually puts them up, they're four points behind Freiburg now. Incredible. Just amazing. That's, like, that's, such, an in, that's such an impressive run. If you look at Heidenheim's resources, and also just the goal that they've had or haven't had over the last couple of years. That's a really mm. impressive position. I mean, 25 goals in they've got as well. That's a pretty good, uh, 
pretty good haul and it stands them in good stead to stay up. Yeah. Which is super impressive. Yeah. If you haven't seen that, go watch the highlights. Yeah. It was amazing. In really fact, great. just treat yourself. Go watch the whole game. Oh, there he is. The ultra. Listen, <laughs> it's Christmas time. Take, put your feet up. Treat yourself. Um, let's go to any Carabao Cup thoughts. Oh yeah. Um, I, I have sympathies. A uh, friend of mine, good friend of mine, a uh, Port Vale fan. So she's in mourning, I suppose, because they got done 3-0. By Middlesbrough at home, so they don't mm. go through. Middlesbrough do go through uh, to the semis. Very exciting for them. Yeah. Other thoughts. Good win for Chelsea over Newcastle. Showed some some resilience there. Um, those are my main thoughts on it. Newcastle Everton, look knackered, don't they? They, they do. They look. But also, can we shot. just talk about Callum Wilson's goal because that literally looked like you know when you play. I said this in the right South group. You know when you when you play FIFA with someone. Yeah. Or no, sorry. When you play EAFC with people, but you. Maybe you're playing against someone who I think it's now called eFootball, formerly Pro Evo, then PES. And the buttons are different. <laughs> so you're playing the- yeah, that Chelsea defence looks like someone who, at the start of a game, who is playing EAFC and they're pressing the wrong buttons. And they're like, oh shit, I've got it on uh, Pro Evo, I've got it on PES buttons. It was so, yeah, that's exactly that because Callum Wilson was running a defence where two players were in front of him. And, and all of a sudden, really there was no anything. one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just he just kept running in a straight line. <laughs> and they just evaporate. It's very rarely you see a defence evaporate in front of a forward like that. Yeah, it was not the best defending. But, you know, Chelsea found the resilience to pull it out. Mm. And one on penalties. Trippier having a tough time of it at the moment, I think. Yeah. Fair to say. Yeah, he's not in a great run of form. He is not. He is not. Um, but, and then Everton going out to Fulham in a shootout. Mm. And I, I had some sympathy for Everton. And part of me also thought, it's, look, it's always great to win a trophy, but part of me also thought, is it, can there be a challenge sometime when you're in a cup tournament and you're looking to survive and there's just that distraction? I've got a theory about Everton. I'm going to put it out there. I'm going to put that? it out there. Go for it. I think they're going to go deep in the FA Cup. That's my theory. Oh, that's interesting. Because by the time, if, as long as they get through that, round, that first round, mm. well, the third round, sorry. Right. Um, who have they got? They've got, all right, well, they've got Palace away, so actually that might... <laughs> oof, oof, <laughs> if oof. they can get... <laughs> oh, God. If they beat Palace in that FA Cup tie, I think they have a chance of going deep because there's like, what, a five-team title race, six-team title race, eight teams, nine teams trying to get into Europe this season. I sounded like a... There's like a five-team title race, a six-team title race, seven teams, eight teams trying to get in Europe. <laughs> Just a revamped version of Old McDonald had a yeah, fart. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Premier League had a title race. E-I-E-I-O. Fucking That's going to become a thing, actually. That'll we, need a thing. Some, we need some time off. Um, I mean, Everton are basically, what, the eighth or ninth best team in the Premier League? Yeah, yeah. Well, in terms of... Like, they actually are, right? They actually are, if you think, <laughs> like if, if they had their points back. So I think they, I think they could potentially go for a good run in the FA Cup. That is my prediction. That's bold. That's a bold because the FA Cup is like, it's not a league table. Like it's a tougher one to call. Yeah, but something, I don't know, man. No, I like it. I like it. It's a good take. Carl, Carl's amnesty take. There you go. It's my amnesty take of the season. Back to the Carabao Cup. Mm. You want to talk about Liverpool? Oh my goodness. Great win over West Ham. Curtis Jones doing, Curtis Jones 
giving it a, Steve McManaman vibes. I love it when a Musa take comes good. It's giving Steve McManaman vibes for me because if you look at like Steve McManaman at Real Madrid doing those multiple jobs in midfield, where McManaman, you know, that like, he was the danger man for ages with um, you know Fergus and be like, watch McManaman. Curtis mm. Jones to me is someone who can do a more disciplined job if he has to, mm. but who you can unleash. And if you unleash him, and like, I always was fascinated when, you know, early sort of months under Klopp, how Klopp would just trust him at particular times. And he was absolutely the, um, the cartilage of this victory against West Ham. Impressive throughout, surging forward, finding gaps, fine finishing. Mo Salah got his customary goal. And some of the day, who was it that said, we don't appreciate Mo Salah? I can't remember who it was, but they said, like his production level is prodigious. And he's kind of fallen off the headlines in terms of conversation. I think that's actually fair because his brilliance is so sustained that it's almost become background noise. You know, you kind of like, when you took your eyes off Messi for a couple of years, you know, as difficult as that was, but every now and again, you're like, oh, Messi's just turned in another, so like, what, 40 goal season? Like, it's nothing. Mm-hmm. Well, in Messi's case, 50 goal season. Um, so yeah, Liverpool just looking really, really impressive. Some really good goals in this game, including the, actually the Jared Bowen one. We always say like, the goal on the other end of the thrashing is often a banger. It's often the best one. And I'm not quite sure Baron got the best goal of this game, but it's definitely a, definitely a competition for one. So yeah, Liverpool just looking super smooth. Super smooth. And they also as well, the fascinating thing is, it's always fun to see which clubs are desperate for this trophy. Yeah. And Liverpool really want it. That's always interesting. Sobos lie again with a banger too. Um, Chelsea versus Middlesbrough in a semi-final of a cup competition has given me big mid to late 90s energy. Yes, no doubt. I love that. And then uh, Liverpool against Fulham in the two legs. Are we expecting a Liverpool-Chelsea final? Or oh, another Liverpool-Chelsea final? I don't want to see that. I want to see Fulham-Middlesbrough in the final. I want to mix it up. Yeah. Fulham-Middlesbrough, wouldn't mind seeing that. But just, I mean, any, other com- any combination other than Liverpool-Chelsea, I would say. Interesting. Just to mix it up, you know? Just to mix it up. Yeah, yeah. Do you want to shout out La Liga quick? Um, Barcelona with a good win over Almeria, who are bottom, but who made them work. <laughs> made fucking hard work of it, didn't they? They really did, my goodness. Barcelona are confusing. I mean, that sentence has been true for the last, what, 15 <clears> years? Sergio Roberto, doppelpack. Yes. Um, saving Barca. Yes, very much so. Hmm. Their keeper, um, Fernand, uh, Fernando, looked really Almeria. useful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Looked really useful last night. Pulled us some great saves. Yeah. Yeah, good, good win for them. I think for sentimental reasons, just very quickly drop in on League uh, Yeah. To mention uh, PSG's 3-1 win over Mets. Um, Kylian Mbappe got three birthday presents. The first two were goals that he gave himself. The third mm. present, the loveliest present, his brother, Ethan Mbappe, making his debut for PSG at the age of 16. That's so cool. That is such a great story. There was a picture of Kylian next to his brother, but obviously like he's nine years older than him, so he was like tiny. And then to see him now, oh. all grown up, 16 years old, coming off the bench, it's kind of amazing. And to make it through, like football, I was talking to a good friend of the podcast, Justin Salhani, the other day, wonderful journalist. Justin, Justin. And just talking about the quality of football in and around Paris is just mm. off the scale. To make it through that into the PSG first team, and this isn't a team that suffers fools. Like, he's not there on 
that's not nepotism. That that boy is there because that boy is good. And we've mm-hmm. seen PSG bring through Zaya Emery. So I'm excited to see what um, Ethan Mbappe does. But I just thought, you know, a great story in the middle of all the cynicism. Yeah. It's a great football story. Uh, can I shout out, because uh, that's that's it for the, before the winter break for Liga. Um, yeah. And three wins in a row have pulled Leon out of the relegation zone. Yes, they got a 1-0 last night, wasn't it? Oh, 1-0 one yeah. against Nantes. 1-0 against Monaco the, uh, on the, the week before. 3-0 against Toulouse before that. and they Really strong uh, stuff. They've won three games on the bounce. Uh, and they've only won four all season. Big because Nantes took a couple of places above them. So mm-hmm. good in terms of the head-to-head as well. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's a PSG top in the winter break, followed by Nice, and then uh, followed by Monaco. Interesting seeing Nice up there. Farioli doing a pretty good job since he's arrived. Mm. Just a quick shout for Adi Hutter, who's doing a really good job at Monaco. They were their third. Lovely coach as well, Hutter. Yeah. Really good coach. Who, the first person to unify the Stadio community by wearing a roll neck and a cardigan on live TV. Yeah, that ended the Civil War, didn't it? It did. It, it did. did. It did. It created a singularity. <laughs> Everyone put down their knitted goods after that <laughs> and hugged. <laughs> we all played a game of football in no man's land. Roll next for goalposts one end, cardigans for goalposts the other end. It was, it was beautiful. <laughs> Roll next for goalposts. Oh God, the things that come out with Jesus Christ. <laughs> Bad week for uh, Moose's Italian teams. Well, a couple of them. Frosinone. Dumped Napoli out of the Coppa Italia 4 0 in their cooked, own yard. Cooked them. Terrible in result. Their own yard. Now they, ro- they rotated quite heavily, Napoli, and then but brought still. The, gun, the big guns on. It was too late by then. But still, but still. Yeah. Uh, and Bologna beat Inter in extra time. By an old boy. Well, not old boy, he's a young boy. Joshua Xerxes with two assists. Yeah. What a player. This is the guy. It's funny. When I watched Xerxes for uh, Bayern, when he was there, I remember thinking, he is too good to be on the bench. Mm. like at an elite club he needs his own club and it was that difficult position of wouldn't get there as a starter but absolutely deserved his own platform and has been wonderful this year and it is the old cliche a good touch with a big man but he absolutely has that he has that Zlatan thing where he's like a nine and a half sometimes mm. finishes well but drops off and links the play beautifully and if he carries on like this and this is not to sort of first of all respect to Bologna incredible win at the Miazza, so at Inter, big, big win against a team that is very much in fault and a team that loves playing in the cup. At the end, you could see Inter were gutted to lose this. They mm. love winning the Coppa Italia. And Simone Inzaghi is one of, the best, one of the best head-to-head managers in the cup competition. Bologna really underlining and confirming why they're a force in Serie A this year, why they're fourth on the table. But also beyond that, Zirkse will be attracting a lot of attention, I think, in mm. the months to come across Europe yeah. and rightly so yeah definitely um, just a quick shout out for some of the Champions League Women's Champions League games last night Ajax being Bayern, beating Bayern 1-0 at home which is a big result for Ajax Huge, yeah. PSG beating Roma 3-1 in Rome um, which means that that group is as uh, Ajax top PSG second Bayern currently going out they're uh, third and Roma bottom but it's so tight Ajax on seven points PSG on six points Bayern on five points, Roma on four. Uh, Chelsea beating Hecken, 3-1. Goal for Sam Kerr and two for Aaron Cuthbert was, was enough. Um, 
Chelsea are top of that group. That means they've overtaken Hecken to go top. They're on eight points. Hecken on seven. Uh, Paris FC are on six points. Good win, that. Yeah. Was a great win, beating Real Madrid away in Madrid. Uh, Real Madrid at the bottom of that group, uh, having taken only a point from their first four games. Um, some games tonight. Leon go to Bran. Eintracht Frankfurt host Benfica. Barcelona host uh, Rosengor and Slavia Prague host Poulton. Is there any other football you want to talk about? Yeah, just to flag up, Manchester City will be taking on Fluminense in the World Club Cup final. Fluminense beat Al-Ahli in the semi-final and Manchester City beat Arara Red Diamonds. Both fairly straightforward wins, mm. as you'd expect. Rodri commenting that this would be an important win for Man City to take away the very bad feeling at the club at the moment, just about you know, the sliding results. What one, one win in six they've had City. They've, mm. and they've had, I mean, they've had like uh, a fairly tough run of games, I think, in that spread of time. So, yeah. and, and not bad for them as a club to have, I think, a mid-season wobble. But the ominous sight of Erling Haaland and Kevin De Bruyne on the bench Sights no one wants to see. No. God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know that scene in um that scene in like uh the two towers when the two hobbits are playing around and they drop that pot down the well mm. and the massive like the massive demon comes down the corridor. I feel like that. It just watching watching Haaland and, and De Bruyne on the bench, those demons just waiting in the wings to come and devour you. That can't be a mm. pleasant sight for the teams. And it can't, we've said this a thousand times in the podcast, for all cities resource, any club in the world misses players of that quality. Mm. And it's, I think once they're back in the side, in the side consistently, we're going to see what this, this title race is really about. But yeah, that will all come later. But for now, let's focus on the World Club Cup final. That would be a huge deal for Fluminense mm. to come through and win that. It would be amazing. I mean, just for their fan base, I'd like to see it. You think about the talent drain. You think of like Hendrik is going to go and join Real Madrid from yeah. from Brazil. Like, when is the last time a huge European prospect went to went the other way? You know, we know it's we know it's all financial, which is the frustrating thing for South America. You think about the talent it used to stay in South America when there was more financial parity. So to win this tournament for South American teams, I think, has always meant yeah, despite the financial dominance of Europe now. Mm. we still have the quality and I think it's important for that reason to, to reassert that I reckon I'll do this for today I think that's right yeah that's pretty much it yeah. don't forget episode going out on Christmas Day and there'll be an episode on the 28th as well um, in the meantime we hope everyone's staying safe staying well and uh, don't forget to check the Stadio Archers playlist on Spotify if you want some tunes to listen to over Christmas there's also a, a, a Christmas playlist we did a couple of years ago on there feel free to some cracking tunes feel, on there. This is also it's also a bit weird though, so feel free to ruin some Christmases if you want to put that on there. Uh, yeah. Not as weird as the Fairytale of New York. What I, I absolutely love the song that left field has become a Christmas banger. It's beautiful. Because it sums up perfectly the bittersweet nature of the Christmas the Christmas occasion, I think. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna watch that episode of The Bear on Christmas Day, I think. <laughs> really doing that to yourself oh uh, what a show what a show it is don't forget to check the Stadio Archos playlist on Spotify like we mentioned uh, this episode we're playing out on a tune taken from a lovely album it's the 15th volume of Spiritual Jazz and it's all a tribute to John Coltrane 
Oh this tune goodness. is uh, is literally called Train by Camelo Garcia. It's been a while since we played that on a jazz thing. Hmm. Anyway, uh, anything you'd like to add, Musa Bongo? I'd like to wish everyone a spiritually jazzy day. <laughs> what else can we do? You can gonna, never have too many spiritually jazzy you know days. I'm going to hit up the label and I'm going to be like, can you do the next volume, Spiritual Jazz 16, offside? Yes. No, onside. <laughs> spiritually jazzy on side anyway enjoy this one everyone much love Uh, we'll be back with you on Christmas Day see you then